0: We're continuing in our study of Philippians, and we're going to go to the next pericope, this passage, which is Philippians chapter 2, 25 through 30. So turn to it, Philippians chapter 2, 25 through 30. And hear the word of the Lord. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again you may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service Lord, me shall we pray father bless this passage of your word to our hearts and minds that we may Lord see in this your son Jesus Christ and that we may also upon looking at it again and again see ourselves more in the likeness of your son Jesus Christ in whose name we pray amen A true labor for Christ. That's what this man was, Epaphroditus. What a name to give your child. (laughs) But notice that though it was a heathen name, reflecting the mythology of their day, there was no need to get rid of it, right? Just Christianize it, as it were. The Apostle Paul as we learned last week, had just got through saying this about his son in the faith and fellow minister in the gospel, Timothy. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Of course, he is speaking generally, can I say? Because in other places, for example, he said, for all men have not faith. And that's not true even in the context of his present time when the gospel is just getting out there into the world into the Grecio Roman world and also when he says let God be true and every man a liar now it's true by nature we're all liars but, but we're not liars as a lifestyle anymore and thus that has to be understood in a generic sense as well and Another reason is for here is another person who, who fits this mold of being a true laborer for Christ. And that is Epaphroditus. We just read the passage. There are three observations that Paul makes of Epaphroditus. Actually, four. Four observations. The first is his service to Christ. In verse 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. My brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants or needs. My brother, in these early days of the faith, the term brother was and, and still is one that is full of an exuding of sweetness and friendliness and friendship, such as when Solomon. In Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself to be, what? Friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And who is that? But a Christian brother. A brother in Christ. We all have one Father. One Savior. And are all begotten of one Spirit. Or by one Spirit. United in one family. Behold how good And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Every time you see a Christian, whatever his condition may be at that time, and we all are traveling the same course, but we're all going through trials and tribulations, for example. If she or he, he or she, brother or sister, gets off the beaten path, like someone that was brought to my attention yesterday who was one who labored with us in the gospel and for whatever reason has has gotten off that beaten path. In 2 Thessalonians it says in, in chapter 3, 14 and 15 And if any man obey not our word by this epistle note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Sometimes you have to break fellowship. Yet count him not as an enemy. But admonish him as a brother. Or if you have different preferences, different adiaphora, meaning choices, that really are neither here nor there. What does Paul say in Romans 14:15? Turn to it. There's something I want to zero in on here in Romans 14:15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat or food, Now walkest thou not charitably. Don't do that. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Please, keep in mind who you're dealing with. He's no ordinary person. He's no ordinary brother. If you have brothers and sisters, he is your brother or he is your sister in the Lord. Also, Epaphroditus was a companion in labor meaning working close together or closely together with the Apostle and with the church back in Philippi. Um, You are companions even before you began to work together, even when you came to faith in Christ and began to walk together in Christ. As Psalm 119 declares, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You were companions worshiping under the same roof, Psalm 122, 8. For my brethren and companions' sake, I now say, Peace be unto you. Suffering trials and tribulations together, it says in Revelation 1, 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Paul also calls Epaphroditus a fellow soldier. A fellow soldier, just like people who served in the military together. I remember... um, my, my father had uh, those that he served with that he would meet up with from time to time, even in his retirement. And they had something there together because they, they, they fought together. They, they suffered together. Perhaps they suffered the loss of someone who was a comrade in arms or maybe it was some family member, like a wife. But they have that, that bond. Your fellow warriors in the war against sin, Satan, And sinful society. This title is peculiarly applicable to common perils and suffering of that sort that believers go through, who are called sometimes to suffer persecution, as we heard in uh, John's testimony from Revelation, to carry the cross of the Lord, and to wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world with spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 3 through 5. 2 Timothy 2 3 through 5. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Christian life is not a bed of roses, unless we are thinking of of it and considering the thorns. It is not an easy road. Maybe I shouldn't use bed of roses, maybe bed of poppies, there you go, a bed of poppies. (laughs) No man that woreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That's hard. That's hard. That he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. And that's the one that we, we, we sang to Jesus Christ. Onward Christian soldiers, right? Marching as to war. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. In other words, if you're going to be good at anything uh, in, in the service of Christ, from being a minister to being an elder to being a deacon to being a Sunday school teacher to being a witness for Christ whatever it is to uh, being a a godly father and and mother over your children in your home nurturing them in the fear and, and admonition of Christ you're to do it according to the Word of God in other words you're to have a testimony that will glorify Christ to match what you have to say. We need to guard each other's backs as fellow soldiers, do we not? That's, <laughs> what can I say? Because you're being shot from from every angle. We're in the crosshairs of the evil one. And he's out there to get us or to at least slow us down. He himself would be the one uh, to uh, to want to uh, slow us down or to trip us up. But But he has no part in us, of course, because of the cross, because of the victory of the empty tomb. Nevertheless, he uses means, and some of those means can affect the same thing, our being tripped up in the faith to depart from the faith, or at least to depart from the time, because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, the Bible says, and so we know he's not going to let us go, but We may follow a circuitous path. We may take those proverbial rabbit trails that lead away from the straight and narrow. And are you going to do that? So we need to be there for each other as well as to be there for others because there's a jungle out there. Also, Epaphroditus is God's messenger. He says, your messenger to the Philippian church. In relationship to his own special ministry as an apostle to them. Epaphroditus was a member, some say a missionary pastor of the Philippian church, who brought the contributions from that church to Paul at Rome. He supplied what the church could not provide so far away. And this was, of course, before Western Union and PayPal and and, uh, Venmo and Zell, I just started to use Zell By the way, <laughs> it's great. If <laughs> I can't be there to personally hand deliver it as I've done in the past, like some of your gifts or the gifts of, of Christ Church to uh, a, 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 a church that was uh, flattened by a typhoon, let's say that, that came up on our radar, and then, and we all uh, saw that and gave it, just like this this need that has come up in Africa, in Kenya. Uh, if we can't do it. One way, we can do it another. But back then, all he had was Epaphroditus. That's all he had. And he needed him, big time, under his uh, interred circumstances. Epaphroditus was the bearer of their love gift. Imagine that, to the apostle, especially when he was incarcerated. And now he was about to take back to Philippi a beautiful and tender epistle. Paul says that he is my minister, essentially, when he said that he ministered to me. In other words, in reference to other things that he did, than than just as a messenger. It says in the Bible, our Lord did. And it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And the word minister there is like the word deacon. And a deacon... It's one who waits on tables. It's not a special, exalted, commissioned, uh, anointed, ordained office. No, it's not. It's something that God's people do. Just seeing a need and wanting to meet it. Just out of compassion. Like that one that was on the side of the road, uh, half dead, between Jericho and Jerusalem in the valley of the shadow of death, some would call that, uh, according to Psalm 23. Uh, when those of the, of the cloth, two of them of the cloth, a priest and a Levite, look the other way as they walk by. Can you imagine how, how can you do that? I mean, you have to look straight on, and looking straight on your periphery vision, unless it's like mine, wouldn't, you couldn't miss the guy. And yet somehow they did, but one didn't, because his heart went out to him. And when your heart goes out uh, in a certain direction, your eyes go that way too. And and before you know it, that one that, that is called the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, comes forth and his colors begin to shine in a way that makes him outstanding in the church. And not because he wants the accolades, but because he desires the glory of Christ. And he does desire that, in wanting the good of God's people, he shows how he is like his Lord because it goes on to say, Our Lord does, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Secondly, Epaphroditus, according to the Apostle Paul, shows his Christian love and care, as I've already begun to say. In 26 and 27 of our passage, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness. Heaviness. You know what that feeling is like? It's like the world is just coming down on you and you feel like you can't deal with it. You may have anxiety pangs. You may have depression. You may have fears. You may know, not know what to do. You're, 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 you're walking back and forth in your house or you're walking back and forth in, in that waiting room. For that loved one that is at death's throes. It says, "For he, uh, uh, because that you have heard that he was, had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. This is why he was full of heaviness. Because of them being concerned for him. And the cause of the sickness. Because for the work of Christ he came nigh unto death regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me in his service to christ they couldn't help but be concerned and be full of heaviness themselves he had overtaxed his strength in the service of the gospel you know there are people like that we have we call them workaholics only they're workaholics for the work of the kingdom either by his labors and preaching or by doing a thousand little offices of love for the imprisoned apostle. And who knows what he had to do for him. Maybe just getting something as simple as a cup of cold water. Because no one's going to do that when you're in prison. You're in prison. Whether it be house arrest or perhaps in this, in this instance, he was actually in a prison cell. Chained up. Eaten hands in stocks. The apostle, Paul, might have used his gifts to heal and to restore this individual back to good health. Could he not, right? But it's interesting how he doesn't always do that, especially for believers like Timothy. He even told Timothy, Timothy, take wine for your often stomach's infirmities. I'm thinking, why can't he just lay his hand on Timothy, you know? (laughs) Why can't he just lay his hand on Epaphroditus? Could, but that wasn't God's will. The Lord did not see fit to have them exercise for the that bet for the benefits as ordinary believers. That is often left for unbelievers. God sometimes accommodates unbelievers' unbelief by performing a miracle. In fact, that was the purpose of miracles: is as a sign of the risen or of the Lord Jesus Christ, and later a sign of the risen Christ and his apostles, that they might believe. Epaphroditus loved God's people so much, he was deeply burdened how they heard that he was deathly ill. Here's sympathy manifested in several directions. First, by the Philippian church towards the Apostle Paul who were touched with Paul's wretched condition in Rome and prisoner lacking food that they sent Epaphroditus to him with the means of providing relief and then also by Epaphroditus toward the Philippian church and being diligent to send him their way as soon as possible and by Paul for both Epaphroditus, and the Philippian church. And unless our Christianity does, unites us in this manner, where all souls are living in sympathy toward one another, we will have, to that extent, failed in our mission. Because really the spiritual is a very essential part of it all. How our brethren are, how they are doing. Isn't that what we often do when we Uh, send greetings as we relate uh, to others uh, how they were doing like in these parochial reports that were read at classes uh, there were things that we were thankful to hear about but then there were also things that we noted that needed prayer and especially uh, ailing ministers and even some that were leaving the denomination all true disciples are members of one body of which Christ is its head and what one feels, all feel, right? Isn't that what it says? And Likewise, when one rejoices, they, re- they all rejoice. When one weeps, so do all. But God had mercy on Epaphroditus. And by having mercy on him, God had mercy on Paul and, of course, on the Philippian saints. The apostle, the apostle Paul had already a hard time being in prison. And if Epaphroditus had died, which he could have very easily in Rome, what sorrow that would have been for him. Not just for the benefit of the brother's service, but because of his love for him. That's the most important. We are all deeply interested in the recovery of the saints. I hope you are. And I hope you don't discriminate who are your brethren, or who you would give your love to. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. Especially with the plurality of God's people everywhere. It's, it's so easy to overlook someone, or it's so, it's, it's so easy to say, well, later. One thing I, I do is I have these to-do lists, and so I'll make them like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> and if I can't attend to them today, Sunday, I'll put them whenever I can attend to them, and then I'll Try to remember to pick that up on that day, okay? So if I miss any of you all, uh, I hope you understand. I'm, I'm trying, okay? <laughs> and I have help, and I thank God for my wife. We are all deeply interested in the recovery of the saints, and especially of eminent ministers. That's what we're talking about here. Paul, perhaps even Epaphroditus, certainly Timothy. Timothy whose lives contribute to the enrichment of God's kingdom and the world. And I think about Pastor Wes at this time, and I've already shared some things about him and how, how he was a man who was mighty used of God. And I'm going to be sharing with you some of his anecdotes that he puts into the Reform Herald that has for years. And um, I had one in mind already. I just didn't have time to put it out. But next week, Lord, will we, you, will, you will see one of them and you will be delighted. You'll be enthralled. You'll be uplifted. I I guarantee it. And so thank God for our eminent ministers. Thank God for his restoring health so that we could go on to serve God anew in his holy service. It is a mercy also to ministers who have fresh opportunities to do good again or to continue doing good. A mercy also to the flock as they receive greater blessings from his labors. Verse 28 of our passage in Philippians 2, I send him therefore the more carefully, the word carefully means more diligently, speedily, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. And that is why Paul endeavored to send him their way ASAP, the less sorrowful they might be, and that he might be in turn knowing that they are comforted. Even though it would take away from him and how he depended on him and leaned upon Epaphroditus in his time of incarceration and loneliness. Third, his godly reputation that followed him. It says in verse 29, Epaphroditus receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Give him a hearty reception when he comes. Throw him a party, have a good time welcoming him back, and not with those uh, conventional civilities and social politeness. And I'm quoting somebody on this one; <laughs> those are terms that I don't normally normally use. Okay, but with exalted affection, can you garner that up? You know, uh, and, and not pretentiously, of course, but because it's it's in your heart because of your love for him, and treat him with honor. It says, hold him in reputation, for he is a noble man. Treat him as a noble man should be treated, and that is with all due respect. And do this because he deserves it, he earned it, because for the work's sake he was nigh unto death. Imagine that someone who'd be willing to go as far as he could on his hands and knees just to get the message of the gospel to that lost soul or to those lost people that are out there. That's what missionaries are all about. You know, missionaries, you have to tip your hat to them. They're not just undertaking some small thing. There's a missionary gal, Lisa, that uh, goes out uh, when we go out like on the campuses, like last Tuesday. And she was a missionary in Eastern Africa and would still be there had her mother not become ill and she had to come back. And when she came back and she passed, after that time of mourning, she was attending this church where some of the brethren go. And as soon as she heard about the outreach, she was raring and, and willing to go. And I tell you, that's, that's the spirit of the missionary. Their hearts are near to heaven when their hearts are out there amongst those that are on the edge of eternity. And darkness he was thoroughly disinterested now let me explain what, he, what this means, that is Epaphroditus, meaning he was disinterested in things that we often make our highest priority and that is me, myself and I he would suffer and risk his life and not from any personal motives at all but from his inspiration as a Christian out of love and charity for God's people And perhaps this is what Christ meant when he said in Mark 9.37, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And lastly, Epaphroditus' self-sacrifice, reliability, and commitment. Verse 30 because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. The child of God is subject to wants, like the Apostle Paul. Epaphroditus somehow made his way on that long and lonely and dangerous missionary trip from Philippi to Rome. Who knows what could have happened to him. We don't. That the Apostle Paul speaks of a litany of things that happened to him. Even being stoned and left for dead outside of the city walls of Jerusalem on one occasion. The child of God is subject to wants, to needs. Rather than Elijah perishing for hunger, God sends what? Ravens to feed him along a brook where he would also have his drink. Though the rich man did not show compassion and mercy on Lazarus, the dogs would lick his wounds. For Paul, God provided an Epaphroditus and even an Onesiphorus. Paul, therefore, commends him to the Philippians in his letter, which he was about to bear, that is Epaphroditus, to them. We know nothing about Epaphroditus beyond what is in this brief passage, but what is there is enough to reveal something that is of exceeding beauty in the eyes of God, of a life that is consecrated to Christ. There are three lessons that I would draw from this, and the first is the importance of a sincere and thoroughly self-denial in one's Christian character. Christ did say, if any man would follow me, let him what? deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And by the way, taking up your cross is not just some burden such as having persecution or having uh, uncaring family members when you first became a Christian who, who uh, make fun of you, who mock you, or, uh, or something like that. Taking up your cross means being willing to do what it takes serve Christ, even if it means giving up your life like Epaphroditus did. And then lastly, the use and value of suffering. Suffering plays a very important role in the Christian life, in our sanctification. Let me read you something about the importance of suffering. And this is in a book by Ryan Denton. Even if none Reclaiming Biblical Evangelism. This was given as a gift to me. He writes about suffering. The same is true today about those who actively evangelize with their mouths. Merely being a Christian generally won't bring about persecution in our culture, and that's true. But once you unashamedly press the gospel unto others, there will be backlash in our culture you can believe anything you want so long as you don't claim everyone else must believe it as well once the christian declines to be tame in matters of evangelism people are more likely to be upset than to be converted however this is by no means this by no means indicates something is defective about the gospel or evangelism it actually confirms the bible to be true since this is the reaction It promises from the world, unquote. So expect suffering, and it's part of the Christian walk. It is part of our journey. It is part of the Christian life. There's no way getting around it. So we may as well do what God calls us to do and get flack or or, uh, or trouble for it than to get trouble without it, right? Does that make sense? If that makes sense. In conclusion, Christians are called to be workers or laborers to build God's kingdom. There's no labor, but what is labor intensive. That's the nature of this. It's like low-collar uh, jobs, blue-collar jobs, we used to call them, blue-collar jobs. That's the kind I had when I, went, when I uh, left the home. Is, uh, I went from uh, a trash company to uh, working... As a dishwasher in a Chinese restaurant. That's one that is labor-intensive, let me tell you. <laughs> People love Chinese food. <laughs> and then also in the grocery business, as I have loved ones that are, are finding that out now. Labor-intensive, let me tell you, labor-intensive. But I, I looked upon my time in the grocery business as a workout. That was my workout time. So if they had me uh, get away from the check set, which I was very glad to do, you know, as, as one of the guys. And I had to stock. It didn't matter if it, if it was like canned goods or dog food or paper towels. That would work too, you know. Uh, as long as I could get out there and, and keep myself busy. And then I left my work at, home, at work, right? And I didn't take it home. I still had my studies to do and I went to school. <clears throat> but, but that was how I viewed that, labor intensive. as a Christian we labor the, for the master from dawn till setting sun. And we talk of all this wonderful love and care. And as that song continues, I have it here. And when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, when the role is called up yonder, I'll. There's nothing more assuring when you are doing God's will, when you're serving Christ, when you're witnessing for the Lord, and you know it <laughs> because there's no way to get around it. It's, it's in your face, right? God is in your face. The world is in your face. But I tell you, when, when it's all over and you go home, there's nothing more exhilarating, more satisfying when you're done. It's just like coming home from a hard day's work. It's like, wow, that was good. (laughs) Like when we do Tuesday night evangelism, man, we go out every Tuesday night except when the Padres and the Chargers play. We learn not to to go out those nights, okay? We just have a prayer meeting. And I tell you, it was really tough getting started, especially coming home from work, tired, or coming home from school uh, with homework still to do or uh, having a family there waiting for us. And then we have to turn right around and go out. We have to turn around and go out. <laughs> but you know what? Afterwards, I, I remember saying, after every night that I would return home, i was sure glad I went out. And I still feel that way to this day. As our Lord said, we say, I must work the works of him that sent me, because the night comes. No man can work. Are you a true laborer for Christ? If not, be one, shall we pray. O oh, Father in heaven, how we thank you for the privilege of serving you. And Lord, it is so little compared to what you have done to serve us. Giving your life as an atonement for our sins and giving to us a perfect righteousness whereby we are accounted as holy in your sight, as sinless in your sight through the righteousness accounted to us of another, even of your Son, Jesus Christ. And to know that we are your adopted children that are loved by the Father, by you, God the Father, as your very own Son is. For we are in Him. That is true. Even in your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God. He is eternal life. Lord, Keep your children from idols, even from the idol idol of idleness in your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be active, to be going, to be doing. Lord, I know that you will bless us for that, and you will strengthen us, and you will, Lord, equip us and continue, Lord, to use us until that last moment, that last breath, even as our brother, uh, Jim West, let this life, glorifying you and enjoying you forever. Do that for us, we pray, in the name of Christ, our Lord.